Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of the upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, the UFC heads to Mexico City for Stevens versus Yair Rodriguez. It's a fight I'm very excited for, but as you guys know, on this podcast, we will not be talking about that fight. This is a prelim-only podcast. That's right, no main card action here. For those of you who are new to the show, you might be curious as to, you know, why not break down that absolute banger of a main event? And the reason is quite simple. is because we know that you guys have probably heard a breakdown or two of a main event coming up. We also know that you probably already have some pretty strong opinions about Yair Rodriguez or, or maybe Jeremy Stevens. So we're here to focus on where we think you can make money betting, and that's the prelims. There's a lot of action to be made on the prelims in in either gambling or in daily fantasy sports. So we're here to help you understand those spots better so that you can capitalize on those opportunities. Speaking of those opportunities and daily fantasy sports, you should know that this podcast is exclusively brought to you by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way we play daily fantasy sports because they're getting rid of those pesky salary caps and those silly scoring systems that other MMA DFS guys use. And instead, we're just focusing on the basics. We're focusing on picking five winners, five methods in which they win, and five rounds in which they win. And so you can focus on just proving that you know more about MMA and win contests that way. And if you want to get your first contest for free, you can head on over to their site, bsmma.com. Use promo code PRELIM16 for a free shot at a $20 Amazon gift card. You're going to want to check out that contest as well as their paid contest as well. Because let me tell you, they're a lot of fun and there's some chance to make some pretty good money there. So head on over to bsmma.com and make your picks today. And to help you out with those picks over on BSMMA.com, as always, I've enlisted in the help of a savvy co-host. Joining me today from the MMA Report is Jason Floyd. Jason, thanks so much for stopping by. Oh, anytime, man. Awesome. So, as you guys know, we start every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Sergio Pettis, who's taking on Tyson Nam, who fills in as a late replacement for Alex Perez. So Nam is making his UFC debut, but he is 18-9-1 in his career with nine knockouts, and he's 7-0-1 in his last eight fights. Sergio Pettis has lost three of his last four in the UFC. He beat Joseph Benavidez, but lost to Rob Fawn at Bantamweight, Juicy A. Formiga, and the champ Henry Cejudo. Now, Tyson Nam's been waiting for this chance for absolutely a long time, but it's a big ask of him. Is Pettis too elusive for him to get hit those big hands of his on him? I don't think so. I mean, I, I've had a chance to, I've known Tyson Nam for, for years going back to when he knocked out Eduardo Dantas and, and he had his legal battle in there. I mean, you also got to remember he's, he cross trains, obviously he trains in, in Hawaii, but also trains up um, at American top team Portland, which uh, used to be Gracie Baja up there. Tra- trains with Ricky Simone. Ricky actually goes to Hawaii and trains with him all the time. Um, I, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people kind of forget. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he knocked that off Ali Bogatinov. I, I think that this is one of those matchups where, to me, Tyson doesn't really have much to lose in this fight by stepping up on short notice, where Sergio has pretty much everything to lose. Because, I mean, you, you mentioned about, you know, the, the recent history uh, of Sergio Pez and, and coming back down to 25 um, is that going to reignite his career? I don't know if this is a, a great spot for him. Um, I kind of like Tyson Am in this matchup. 
Yeah, and I, I kind of like Tyson Nam in this matchup too. The other thing I really like about Nam here is is when you look at Sergio Pettis, he he is not really all that hard to hit. Like he can be elusive from time to time, but he's gonna get smacked once or twice. He doesn't avoid the shot by going to the ground. He doesn't avoid the shot by you know clinching up and saving some time. He likes to fight at distance, and I think against Nam, that only takes one punch. And he mm-hmm. could potentially knock him out. So it, it sounds like you're leaning with the underdog as well here. Tyson Nam, how do you got him winning this? I think he's going to win by knockout. I'll tell you, I've got Tyson Nam on my podcast uh, coming up later on this week. I've already done the interview. And uh, Tyson basically said, he goes, I'm coming to knock him out. This is what I do. You know, I'm not, he's not looking to point fight. He's looking for a decision. And, um, you know, basically, and, and Tyson's point was, he goes, he goes, I think Sergio's a point fighter. Uh, well, well, I'm certainly looking forward to hearing that one, so make sure you catch that on the MMA report. And I- I'm going to go with you, too. I-, I like Tyson Nam here. I'm going to go by second-round knockout. I think it's going to take him a little while to find that range on, on somebody like Pettis. But it- like I said, it only takes one. Uh, and that brings us to a second fight, which we're going to talk about. Jose Alberto Quinanez versus Carlo Achuain. So Quinanez, 4-1 and one in his last five. He had a four-fight win streak going before he lost to Nathaniel Wood by submission. Atrayin is 0-1 in the UFC. He got TKO'd by Rayoni Barcelos in his debut. Uh, Canadas really likes to do some work on the ground. He's got a takedown in every fight he's won. But it might be tough to get it there on Atrayin, who who didn't get taken down in his last fight. What do you think? Can you get it down? I, I think he can. But, you know, this is the one thing that, that concerns me about Quinones is when you look at the fighters he's beat in the UFC, outside of maybe Diego Rivas – None of those fighters are still in the UFC. That's that's always something I'm kind of you know it's when when we're talking about a fighter who's currently in the UFC, I'm going okay, who have they beat? You know, are those fighters still in the UFC? And, and if it's like say a debut fighter, I'm looking at okay, what was their strength and competition uh, on the regional scene? And uh, you know, I, I think he's going to get the the nod in this one, um, but I just I don't know what how high his ceiling is in the UFC. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one, and it's sort of you know. I felt exactly that way when I saw the Nathaniel Wood fight. Because, like I said, he's a guy who likes to get it done on the ground. And not that Nathaniel Wood isn't a great grappler, but he's not the top of the division when it comes yeah. to grapplers. So if your your mode of fighting lends you to try to get every fight to the ground and you can't beat the guy who's, you know, not, you know, middling level, maybe tops, you know, 25%. I think, like you said, he's he's got a little bit of a lower ceiling. That being said, I like him here by decision just because I think he gets enough of those takedowns in this fight to sort of, you know, pick up one or two rounds just on that alone. And, and when it goes to the judges' scorecards, you know they weigh, dis, you know, takedowns heavily in decision. So yeah. I, I'm going to go with Keenanez by decision. How about you? Yeah, I, I like that one as well. I mean, I think if he gets a stop, it's probably late third round. All right, well, that's going to do it for the first round. We are going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with round number two. Look, my favorite way to watch a fight is by getting a whole bunch of friends together, right? Who doesn't love to have a bunch of people around your house watching people throw down? And meanwhile, proving to your friends that you know more about the MMA game than they do, right? You know more about who's going to win you know that undercard guy because, you know, you listen to our podcast. You know a ton about the undercard guys. So who doesn't love to prove their friends wrong? The best way to prove to your friends that you're smarter than them, bsmma.com. Head on over to bsmma.com. They've got a create a contest option where you can create your own contest, invite a bunch of your friends who are right there in the room with you, 
and then watch your point totals rack up while theirs stay right around zero, right? So you can do that. You can invite as many friends as you want. You can use any kind of entry fee as you want. You can change the payout structure to you know pay out just the top guy or multiple people. It's really fun. It's really customizable. Check it all out at bsmma.com. Now, back to the show. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about two ranked women's bantamweights, and that's Sajara Eubanks and Betch Kohea. Eubanks, 2-1 in the UFC. She beat Roxanne Modafari and Lauren Murphy at flyweight. And then since moving up to bantamweight, she is 0-1, but she lost to Aspen Ladd in an absolute brawl. And then we got Betch Kohea, who is winless in her last three. She's 0-2-1 with losses to Holly Holm and Irene Aldana. She drew with Marianne Renault. So Eubanks, I mean, she got she lost that fight, but she looked like a killer in her first 135 bout. Is this the right place for her? I do. I mean, I think Betch Kohea, I think her skill set's kind of limited when you talk about her place in the UFC 135-pound division. And I thought Eubanks showed us a lot. Yes, as you mentioned, it was a loss against Ladd, and it was a great fight. And I think you know one of the things that you kind of wonder with her is, is how would the strength be moving up to 35 as opposed to when we saw her 25 pounds? Um, I, I think this has got 15-minute decision written all over it. I mean, I think for anyone who, who places wagers on UFC fights, you just know if you take the over in a, in a women's fight in the UFC, you're going to cash about – Six to seven out every ten times. It's just it's it's an enormous rate. I mean, I, like I do a daily fantasy show, and uh, one of the things I always say is avoid women's fights for the most part because more times than not, it's just not going to be a finish. And to me, it's got 15 minute decision written all over it. I just think Eubanks is the much better striker, um, and I think she'll she'll punch her way to a victory. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that too. I, I mean, like I feel like always remembering this is kind of harmful when you talk about Vich Koya, but this is somebody who got knocked out by Ronda Rousey, who, who, you know, doesn't have a really great stand-up stand, uh, skill set. So, yeah, I, I like Eubanks here in her striking. Uh, if she does finish it, I mean, maybe with a submission, because she does have some pretty good ground game. But, yeah, I think the safe play here is Sajara Eubanks by decision as well. And that's going to take us to our second fight in this round, which is Vinicius Moria versus Paul Craig. So Moria, 0-2 in the UFC. He's been KO'd in the first round twice by Eric Anders and Alonzo Menafield. Paul Craig also recently got KO'd by Alonzo Menafield. But before that, he did submit Kennedy Zuchuku with like a last-second uh, <clears throat> submission, which, which seems to be his MO here. Now... Moria is probably real pumped to see somebody who doesn't have crazy KO power that's going to knock him silly in the first round. But do you think he's safe against Craig's takedown and grappling game? I wouldn't say he's safe. I mean, you know the thing about that sticks out to about Paul Craig is, yes, um, you know, not the greatest of record inside the UFC, but when you look at who he's lost to, Alonzo Minifield, who I think we're all very high on, uh, you know, Jimmy Crute, even though we saw him lose last week in the Mishin off, and then it's Tyson Pedro and, and Cleo Roundtree, which we saw a very different version of Cleo Roundtree earlier this year. Um, to me, this is almost a fight where I feel like this is a loser-leaves-town matchup. Um, if Vinicius loses this fight, he's done, he, and especially if he gets stopped. Um, but the one thing about Paul Craig, and, and it's this knack for him to get finishes late in the third round where he may get rocked early on in the fight, but he survives it. I mean, he's probably more dangerous in round three in minute 13 and 14 than he is in minute one and two of a fight. 
Yeah, but here's my question on that one, too, is that, like, so obviously, like you said, he, he's dangerous late, but but at what point in time does that start catching up with him, right? Because he's got two late, late, late submission victories, and if you take those two late victories away, you know, we're looking at a guy with a very different looking record, and his record isn't great to begin with, so... Do you think that that's a skill set, or do you think that that's sort of like going to eventually be his downfall? Oh, it's going to catch up to him at some point. But I mean, look, I was I just pulled up the betting odds, and you know, Venetius is minus one twenty, and and Paul is plus one hundred. I wouldn't feel comfortable betting either side of this fight. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, and and especially because, like I said, you know, would you take him in a rematch against Kennedy Zuchuka? Would you take him in a rematch against Magomed Ankalev? I think the answer is no on both of those for me. How about you? I'm not sure about Kennedy. I've got a lot of questions about him. I I think that he is, you know, he's almost, he's one of these guys that I kind of look at and say, did he just get to the UFC too quickly? Mm -hmm. You know, because I think one of the things that you you do see sometimes is there is this rush to get a fighter to the UFC. There's this rush to get him on the contender series and let's get him in the UFC. And I I wonder with a guy like Kennedy, you know, if you say that rematch is two years from now, okay. uh, Yeah. I I would no way pick Paul, but if you told me that rematch is six months from now, I don't know. I I just think Kennedy's got a lot of development still to do. And and to me, it's just, I I think he just has to be put in the right matchups. But I mean, look, I, I think at the end of the day, when you look at both of these guys, um, between Venetius and Paul, we're talking about the lower end of the 205 pound division. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I guess that brings us to, you know, the, the unfortunate prediction we got to make here, which is the guy who you're picking to have to leave town. Oh God. Um, I, I probably have more faith in Venetius winning this fight. All right. And I guess, you know, I I think I'm a sucker for the bear Jew. I'm going to go with Paul Craig. I, I can't imagine he gets a submission here, but I think maybe just maybe he spends enough time in good positions grappling to win this. Um, and, and I'm going to take a decision. And that's going to do it for the second round. It looks like we're going to head into the third round with three fights left to talk about. We'll get back to those after a quick word from our sponsor. So we talked about how we've boiled down the basics on BSMMA.com, right? Pick five winners, pick five methods, pick five rounds, watch your points rack up. But... BSMMA.com also wants you to prove that you know about these fighters. You know about how they fight, and that's where their bonus option comes in. Their bonus options ask you to predict a little bit about how your fighters will fight, and if you're right on that, you can get a couple of bonus points. Take their AC Slater bonus, for instance. Their AC Slater bonus gives you an extra three points for every single time your fighter takes down the opposing fighter, much like AC Slater did during his long-lived wrestling career. So if you want to prove that you are the smartest MMA fan on the planet, head on over to BSMMA.com and make your picks today. Now, back to the show. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And to start this round, we're going to talk about Polo Reyes versus Kyle Nelson. Both fighters on two fight losing skids. Uh, Polo Reyes lost to Drew Dober and Demir Hadzovic, both by TKO. And then we got Nelson, who lost to Diego Fajeda by TKO and Matt Salis by submission. Both of those are, are resumes that have, you know, pretty good names in losing streaks. Which of those losing streaks worries you more? Oh, 
I mean, the thing with Polo Reyes is where is the guy that we saw against uh, Tong Young Mai back at UFC 199 where they just, you know, I think what was that, the first or second Friday of the night, and they just went out there uh, and stole the show. I mean, look, Kyle Nelson has to win. He has to win this fight to stay in the UFC. He loses. He's definitely done. And, I mean, I mean, look, it's probably you can say the same thing uh, for Polo Reyes. I mean, once again, this is, you know, the lower level of this division here. Um. Man, I think I think Kyle's got to be the guy. I think you look at um, in this fight. He is a, a slight betting favorite on this, um, and I think it's more the reason I have more confidence in him in this fight is more about what I've seen out of Polo Reyes in his past couple of fights. That I mean, yes, I mean it's it's. I mean, you look at the competition he's lost to. It's no joke. But I I just think that uh, you know his time in the UFC is coming to an end. Yeah, and he he does look chinny in his last couple of bouts, and I hate using that word, but he, he does look like the kind of guy who's been knocked out by some yeah. punches where you, you kind of ask a question mark, and, and it all goes back to that James Vick one. That's not a chinny knockout. That's getting knocked out by a huge dude. But since then, it's looked like maybe he's on skates all the time and maybe a little bit early. But is Kyle Nelson the right guy to put him on those skates? I, I'm not sure. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, this is probably one of those ones I, I think that if a stoppage does come for Kyle – I think it's just late in the third where he's just he's worn out Polo Reyes so much and there's not much left in the gas tank. But um, I'd be I'd be willing to say that, uh, you know, the uh, this fight going distance is is a good probability. Yeah, I think so, too. But for a final pick, I'm actually going to take Polo Reyes just because I think volume uh, and and maybe being able to stuff any takedown attempt Kyle Nelson throws at him. I I think he's going to win a decision here. It sounds like you're leading Nelson. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to move on to the next one, which is Ariane Carnelosi, who's filling in for Estella Nunes versus Angela Hill. Carnelosi making her UFC debut, 12-1, 12-fight win streak. She was on the Brazil circuit with plenty of TKO victories. Angela Hill, well-known name, but she's 1-3 in her last four. She beat Jody Esquivel, but has losses to uh, Jan Jonan, Randa Marcos, and Courtney Casey. Uh, you know, Carnelosi brings a bunch of finishes to the UFC, but do you think that finishing power translates to the big show i do believe it will i mean this is actually outside of the pettis and nam fight this may be the fight i have the most interest in in all these prelims because look it's it's a fight where you know look angela hill she's not going up against a fighter that is going to look to just take her to the ground every time this is going to be a stand-up fight um and like one of the things i I wrote down here in my notes is who will be the be the pressure fire because that's what both these fires want to do they want to be first and um you know obviously ariani is i mean you look at that record oh and 12 and 1 and you mentioned you know her only loss was in her pro debut um you know and i i like this matchup for angela hill this is a, a type of matchup that angela hill does succeed in but it, you just even though when you look at the the pass of ariani you know with her striking that's how you think she's going to do but you do wonder are there going to be coaches in her ear going look Take this girl to the ground. She, she's not, you know, she's not very good on the ground. Um, I, I think this is going to be just a very high tempo, high pace fight between these two girls. Yeah, and I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. I think it's who goes forward better. And and with Angela Hill and the way that she's been fighting lately, you know, it doesn't seem like she's going to have a threat to be taken down. And I think that just encourages to, her to move forward even more. Which which makes me pick. Uh, I'm going with Angela Hill by decision. How about you? I'm going with Angela Hill by decision as well. I think another point is who will be the fire that utilizes their leg kicks the best. I think that will be a key to victory. All right. Well, you heard it here. Now, we're going to go on to the last fight because we just got a 
minute or two left, and that's Claudio Puelas versus Marco Marianos. Uh, so Puelas one and one in the UFC. He just won by knee bar over Felipe Silva, kind of a last second hail mary. Uh, and Mariano zero and one in the UFC. He got commurred by Lando Venata in his debut. A lot of people criticized the signing of Mariano because he's a guy who's friends with Anderson Silva, was on the Anderson Silva card, sort of said he doesn't belong here. What do you think? Does he belong in the UFC? No, he doesn't. I mean, look, it's look. This 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 happens all the time. It, it, no matter what the promotion is, where you know, fires like, hey, you you want to sign me, or hey, I, I really want you to give you know my training partner a fight. This happens all over. You name the promotion. It has happened, um, and, and to me, this is a fight where Claudio wins. Uh, Marcos, his days in the UFC will be over, and, and I think that's a, a pretty safe bet. Yeah, and I, I think just you know how much of a novice he looked like on the ground against Lando Venata makes it even more clear that this dude who just won by knee bar is sent in there as a like a mercenary to just absolutely take out this guy so the UFC doesn't have to keep putting him on card. So I'm going with Puez by the fastest submission you could possibly imagine any way he wants. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I'm with you on there. I mean, look, the only thing that, that kind of cautions me a, a little bit is the fact of, you know, that win uh, against Felipe Silva was back in May uh, of last year. Mm -hmm. So there's been a long time, you know, he did have a, a canceled fight uh, against against Devin Powell when, when he was supposed to fight last year. But, you know, inactivity kind of, you know, those were one of the things I think you look early on in the fight. But, yeah, I mean, I think the skill level, um, you know, Carter should get the win easy. Yeah, and that's really tricky, too. You know, I, I know we're technically out of time in the third round, too. That's really tricky with Latin American and Asian fighters. It seems like they hold them until they're going to fight on that, you know, continent again. And it, it leaves people like Puelas like long periods of time with inactivity and they don't really get their, their footing, uh, which is kind of a shame because like I said, I, I do think he's got a pretty good submission game. Hopefully we get to see it here. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for another episode of the Prelim Primer. Uh, Jason, I just wanted to thank you so much for stopping by. Couldn't do it without you. Anytime, man.